Abed and all hope, listeners. You're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff, with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hi, folks. Old Man Grognard here. Hope you have a good Monday. And let's see what we got today. Today, we got a couple emails. First one is from Dave Aldrich. So go ahead, Dave. Hi, Glenn. It's Dave Aldridge from Deeper Centile, listening to you a bit about Dungeon Tech. Yeah, I think I've got very similar sensibilities there. Um, I like to call my campaigns often clockwork fantasy. And as soon as I get hold of a rule set, the first thing I, I start doing is thinking, OK, how are, how are fire, firearms going to work in this campaign? Um, how can I work out some kind of gadgeteer class? Um, I also like, yeah, leaving bits of mysterious bits of far future technology there for the characters to to discover it seems to me to be very much in tune with the appendix n writers one place where i found lots of guidance for doing that of course is in monty cook's numenera which is brimming with advice about how to how to incorporate um all kinds of far future tech into a fantasy world what language to use so uh, yeah enjoyed that thanks very much Thank you much for that, Dave. I appreciate it. Yeah, that is a lot of fun. I, I, I don't really think about how firearms work in my world because I use the universal, uh, well, not a universal, but I use the steam slash clockwork solution for most of the stuff, which means that most of the firearms are air-powered, like an air rifle or a BB gun, only much more pack much more punch and also there's the steam alternative for larger things like cannons and as far as future tech goes i used to be down on stuff like that because i didn't want my fantasy mixed with my sci-fi but there are genre appropriate places like astonishing swordsman where you can get away away with that for a reasonable you know for somewhat limited way of getting around that and there's also the John Carterish type stuff where it's kind of medieval, kind of sci-fi, or He-Man, if you want to call it He-Man, Thunder, or that kind of thing. But ordinarily, my stance is if you can wrap it up in fantasy trappings and make it plausible in a magical world, it's I give it a pass. I really do. But thank you for that. Thank you for that email, or email, voicemail. <laughs> And now we have another one by John Allen Large of Red Dice Diaries. Go ahead, John. Hi, Glenn. It's John from Red Dice Diaries. Thanks very much for your episode on cantrips. Obviously, as you know, I'm very interested in the subject. And it was quite cool to hear the sort of potted history of cantrips throughout the various editions of D&D. Now, it seemed to me, and forgive me if I'm getting this wrong, that you were sort of advocating just sort of copy and pasting directly the mechanics for cantrips from D&D 5th edition, which I agree is one of the things they got right, into your OSR and various other games. Now, given the fact that the, the basic spells for OSR games and D&D 5th edition aren't really the same, I wondered, had you had any sort of problems with duplication of spell effects or other system problems bringing them across directly like that into your OSR games, or was it all fairly seamless? Anyway, thank you very much for the episode. Glenn, look forward to your answer, and I'll catch you soon. Take care. Thanks again, John. Appreciate it, as always. I did go and read your blog post about this, comparing the 
can't, Wizards cantrips with the 5E, or rather, the Wizards spells versus 5E cantrips. He was using Lamentations of the Flame Princess as a comparison, because that's the system he's using. But on the most part, how has it worked out? Well, i got to say, pretty well so far. The, the players enjoy it. The characters are not too outrageous. And they use them pretty much the way I use them. They use them just as enhancers. It really makes it makes a wizard an effective, effective wingman. It makes him an effective lancer in like side support to the the heavy hitters, which is pretty much the way I think wizards should go. I mean, there's going to be points where they're going to take set. There are going to be parts where they're going to take center stage, and they have to have a magical duel or do this or that. And the other thing, but for the most part, wizards and warriors should work together as the wizard, and because the fighter is there as the team's heavy hitter, he's there to take point. He's there to do the main. He lead the main charge where the wizard's going. Okay, what can I do to support you in doing that, and maybe stop things that are coming at you from out of nowhere or giving you more protection or something like that. And cantrips go a long way in doing that. And as far as mechanics go, I looked them over and I don't see why I can't keep the 5e mechanics because it's it's basically a simple advantage-disadvantage. And, you know, I my penchant for not using that, for using, like, pluses and minuses to your rolls, I can still do that. But as far as cantrips go... That's no problem. That's no problem right there. You know, because cantrips are supposed to be served serve twofold in 5th edition. One, it's something that wizards do anyway. Just throw out these little spells and these little minor things can have an effect on battle. It can have an effect in role-playing. It can have an effect on the game, period. And that's always nice flavor. And the other thing is to make the squishy wizard less squishy. And the way the cantrip, they, they've done very a very, very good job in balancing this out as far as effectiveness goes. For the first time, I've seen a wizard who is not so helpless, and he's still a support character. And anything you could do, like the protection spells, the protection spells are good, but the leveled spells are better. But those are the kind of things that get you through to the higher the higher levels. Because you need you need something to cover your back or something like that. Like you did a well you um, the protection spells are there to suck up a minor amount of damage. You know, you gotta protect those precious D4 hit dice. <laughs> And that's the whole point. And other spells like Friends versus Charm Person, of course Charm Person is going to be more effective, but the added benefit of whoever's charm doesn't know they were charmed, necessarily. That's the biggest drawback to that Friends spell. I don't think, I, I can't think of any other, I can't think of any situation where I'd actually <laughs> use that and feel good about it, if you know what I mean. If you're going to do a Friends spell, if it's a one-and-done thing, you're never going to see this schmo again, 
You're never going to come to this town again. Go ahead and cast it on that merchant or guard or whatever, just to buy yourself some time to get the heck out of there. That's the kind. Of, that's what something like Friends is for. You know, hey buddy, can we pass? Sure, go ahead. And then you pass. It wears up. What? Wait, hey, come back here. That kind of thing. That's that's what it's there for. It's like okay, note to self: never go in this town again. Okay. So, yes, they're not as effective as level spells, and they're not supposed to be. They're supposed to be little spells that wizards do that make them more colorful and save their skin until they can get up to a level where they can actually do so. I'm not saying they can't do something, but, you know, your paltry spells at first level, you need something to back you up besides things like bracers of defense, or amulets of protection, because those aren't always given out, and sometimes you're just going into the, basically going into the wide world bare naked, with just your spells. So, that's what they serve purpose for, and I feel that that's probably the best the best way to do it, because you've got you know the character's got to survive, and if he survives to high enough level, yes, they become very powerful. And done right, and I've seen them done right, wizards can be very, very, very formidable. But they, as far as I'm concerned, no matter how high up they get, they still need the guy in the front with the axe or the sword to do the dirty work. I mean, even higher level things, higher level wizards, they still have man-at-arms around them or a henchman or something like that, and they send them out to do the dirty work. So it's the same difference, you know? Wizards are support cr- creatures, as far as I'm concerned, but that's not that doesn't mean they're not fun to play. They're just, but that's what they are. If they're the leader of the group, they will have a bruiser or two up front, though. If he, if they're the brains of the group, they'll have the bru- the the fighter or the barbarian or the berserker or whatever it is up front to do to to clear the way, basically. So, and. And that's pretty much the way the way it is. So these cantrips go a long, long way into into keeping them alive and just maintaining the mystique of a mysterious wizard. Now a wizard doesn't have to be play mysterious, but there's always the, the cantrips are the things that give them a little bit of an edge on people's I don't know, not disbelief, but just you know gives them the aura. Of somebody, somebody mysterious, and other, and sometimes an aura of someone not to be trifled with. So, you've got that in your, they've got that in their corner too. Anyway, all right, I've done a second show on cantrips, which is okay. Thank you very much, John, for that for that informative informative voicemail. And I'm going to go start my day. So, if you want to talk more about this, you can write me at oldmangrognar at gmail.com or you can send me a voicemail at here over at Anchor. And we are monetized, so as little as 99 cents a month, you can support this program, and I would thank you. Thank you again, Oliver, Gilbert, and Mark, for being my supporters. And Mark, there's also Mark C. Wallring's wonderful... Yawning Owlbear podcast, which is a great podcast. Go listen to it. I like it. 
And also, John Allen Large Red Dice Diaries. Red Dice Diaries, always a good listen. And there is a Kickstarter Dungeons & Delvers Red Book out there. Go ahead, check that out. It's a really good, nice, simple system that I think most people would enjoy. So it's, it's on Kickstarter, kickstarter.com. So, okay, folks, until I see you next time, keep the dice warm, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Questions? Comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. We'll see you next time when Radio Grognard is on the air. Thank you.